0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater.
1: Mm. I'm just gonna hit the start recording button, and we can just. I'm,
0: I have a few with already.
1: Ooh. 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 Ooh, I was gonna suggest.
2: I was gonna suggest I, doing it during your intro, Cody. Oh, but shit, that's sorry. also
3: Whoa. pretty good. Well, this, this, I, is, this, is this is the So yeah. yeah. much racing. fizz on my mic right I, now. This is.
0: Disgusting. It's it's why, that's why I need a pop filter. a Personal problem.
3: I got. I got a. Pop, there's. A, well, yeah, you're not wrong. But also, I, man, it I went through. It went through the pop filter. I mean, like, what did we drink? It. That's the problem. Aaron's, you're got, not Aaron's, the got,
1: Aaron's got. bloody dick. Uh, Cody has. has <laughs> okay. Show me, Mike. All right. Oh, this, how,
2: no what that. That's just on Mike. No one knows what that's
1: referencing. You're just <laughs> saying. I don't. For the what audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Harry doesn't even know. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. He, he jumped in like that's him. Um. Uh, Aaron, I'm drinking Magners fine Irish cider. How about you? I'm drinking a marg. I got a margarita. A,
0: no, a, my my, yeah. my goodness, you go. get tropical
1: with it. I know it's the most
2: Christmassy
3: of beverages. I'm sure you understand. You know, I've always said that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm drinking a Acai berry peach sour goes from what is this Eastlake? I, I think it, Ooh, I, good. See Kirby, I see Kirby Pucker on here. Um, Pucker probably because it's sour, um, and Kirby Puckett nice. was a baseball player uh, for the Minnesota Twins. Was Kirby Puckett, everybody uh, else I'm on this uh,
2: podcast? When you said Kirby, was like, eh? and then you said Pucker, and they're like, uh-huh.
4: I went to <laughs> kindergarten <laughs> with, uh, or not kindergarten preschool with Kirby Puckett's kids.
3: I I've, uh, I've partied with one of them. Oh, right. <laughs> you don't need to upstage me on my own no.
1: podcast. My brother, actually Kirby Puckett. Um whoa. He's a horrible person. I, I think, yeah. right? Is that yes. is that the yeah. thing yeah, is that he's actually, right? like kind of a, yeah. Is he, he is not alive anymore either, right?
5: Yeah, that's yes. correct. So oh, was a lot of well, layers. he was a
1: terrible guy. Now he's a terrible corpse. Um, Seth, yeah. what you got in your hand?
5: I have a Bud Light Lime from the Budweiser Brewing Company, uh, St. Ooh. Louis, Missouri. Yeah,
1: Classic. A classic, classic. drink. It's a classic
0: baby. Uh, take you. us home, Logan. What What are you um, sipping on? I'm currently sipping on a Surly Fuzz Box. Mm. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, is that like I a that, box? Is that I also have bad. in in reserve one of your uh, two hearteds that you left at my house, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we finished those. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too, but there was one left.
1: There's always one left. Always one yeah. left. Um, well, I guess that's enough preamble. Uh, this well, I'm, I'm is, drinking
4: some eggnog. You didn't ask, Jason, but that's all right. Ask. I
0: didn't ask. Shit, kind of egg egg is so eggnog so good. Yeah. No, eggnog no, is no, actually no, the best holiday not beverage. Classic choice the Yes, yes. Is there anything in the eggnog, or are you just oh no straight eggnog?
1: On the
3: rocks, I like
1: to say, <laughs> "Virgin eggnog." what a great you know, intro! Like, to, those three uh, words
3: uh, to nog love. Nog, love oh, thank guest. you very
1: much for listening to Nog Love, a literal <laughs> roundtable podcast about nog. Um, this is trilove uh, It's a literal roundtable podcast about uh, movies we've seen. Uh, this is neither one that we've seen at the Trilon nor one that is about people we've met at the Trilon. But uh, we're going to keep that slogan as, as tight as we can. Um, this is a particularly roundtable episode as we're joined by. Two guests. Uh, we'll get to them in a second, but first, let's go through the main cast. We've got uh, Jason Daphnis. I don't really like to make speeches, so I'll just say thanks. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at nintendufus.
3: I'm Cody Narvison. I've got seven lives left, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody_BH. You flush it, I flaunt it. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can
4: find me on Twitter at shiitakeHarry. Uh,
1: uh, my name. I'm so sorry. I, I ran over Ooh. you. I'm already a little drunk.
2: Oh, you, oh, I thought you had something to uh My name is Aaron. Uh, my name is not Oswald. It's Aaron. And you can find me on Twitter at RB, please.
1: Classic. Wonderful. Uh, and I don't mean to spook anybody, but uh, waiting in the wings, we've just gotten reports that there's a bat maniac in the building. If everybody could please remain in your seats and um, you know stay stay seated. Just be, be safe. Be safe. We can all get through this. Uh, Logan Lafferty returns from our episode on Total Recall to join us for a bat episode. Logan,
0: That is I. I'm spreading my wings um to (laughs) share all my Batman love. Um you can find me on Twitter at at MR Leviathan. If you need to spell it, you probably don't want to follow me. So um (laughs) yeah, there I am.
1: I I admire your candor and thank you so much for being with us, Logan. Uh and also returning from multiple episodes of try Love, uh, we have special guest Seth Zarati. Seth, say hello.
5: Hello. Uh, I used to be the number one son of this podcast, uh, and now they treat me like number two. And you can find me <laughs> at SN Zerati.
1: We really all did do that. So all six of us came up with stupid things to say as our intros, and I love it. Uh, this is a very special Christmassy episode, Ho Ho Ho, Merry Christmas, about uh, Batman Returns, an inarguably Christmastime movie. Um, Logan, we're going to tap into your Batmaniac knowledge uh, as we go. But for right now, we have to let uh, Aaron take the red carpet to give us a quick summary about this movie and what it's about.
2: Since the dawn of time, ever since our ancestors first crawled out of the primordial soup, scientists, researchers, and philosophers have been obsessed with finding the answer to one specific question. What would happen if you put Danny DeVito in a superhero movie? Well, it may have (laughs) taken countless aeons for that question to be answered. Answered it was in 1992 in Tim Burton's superhero sequel moving picture show, Batman Returns. Uh, Returning as Batman is Michael Keaton. Uh, He's joined by the aforementioned Danny DeVito, playing the classic villain, the Penguin, uh, as well as Michelle Pfeiffer as Selina Kyle, also known as the Catwoman. Uh, The film revolves around the Penguin, also known as Oswald Cobblepot, as he plots a scheme to take over Gotham with the help of evil millionaire and philanthropist uh, Max Schreck, played here by Christopher Walken. Uh, When the duo of Cobblepot and Shrek proved to be more successful than the law firm like name might have you believe, Batman must work with and sometimes against secretary turned vigilante Catwoman to save the day, uh, bring about justice, and kind of generally work through his uh, psychosexual urges. Uh, There's a bunch of other context that might be good to know about this movie, um, including, for example, its two Academy Award uh, nominations. Um, But really, the most important thing is the following, which I am going to. Read verbatim from Wikipedia. <clears throat> A quote-unquote parental backlash criticized Batman Returns with violence and sexual references that were inappropriate for children, despite being rated PG-13. McDonald shut down their Happy Meal promotion for the film. Uh, Jason, that's what I got.
1: That is uh, astonishing. It is actually wonderful that this movie was even marketed to families, uh, given the actual content of it. Um, I'm actually going to cede my uh, first chair to Logan. I want you to give us your quick background on Batman Returns. Why Batman? Why this movie? Why now?
0: Thank you, Jason. Um, You know, I think I grew up uh, watching Batman my whole life. Like, I, I think the first Batman with Jack Nicholson I watched when I was maybe, I don't know, six or seven years old. And this one was made like the year after I was born. So I, I just came up watching these movies and I have such a soft spot in my heart for the Keaton Batman movies. And, um, I, the reason I like these so much is because they of all like the Marvel DC movies that we've seen recently. Um, these two movies, Batman returns in particular, feels like you're immersed in um in a comic book Mm -hmm. and it feels so grime like this one in particular i think feels very grimy and it feels very um dirty and like just so enjoyable um and that's why i continue to come back to this movie so much
1: yeah it definitely has that sort of timeless air about it like Obviously, movies you grew up with always going to have a special place in your heart, but this was the first time I've seen it, uh, and I'm really excited to dig in with you guys, including Seth, whose thoughts I'm going to prompt now so we can get into um, uh, the, the the meatier thoughts of the podcast. Seth, what did you think?
5: Yeah, uh, similar uh, to Logan, uh, I I have seen this movie a few years ago oddly enough when i was a kid i mainly watched the two schumacher films uh batman forever and batman and robin and they were the more like garishly colorful family friendly versions so i had seen the tim burton batman uh and and batman returns but probably this was the first time i'd rewatched it in a few years and i was surprised because in from the very beginning it has like this sort of silent well, no dialogue intro of like the origins of the penguin, and it's pretty dark and it's pretty moody and you see like uh like this you know this very sort of macabre intro to the film, but then, like all of a sudden it just sort of whiplashes into okay, here's this speech. Uh, that the mayor is giving and these clowns are bursting out of this giant, um, Mm. gift box. Right. Uh, and it's like, I just, it was whiplash into, oh no, this, this is a comic book movie and these are characters. And I laughed when I first saw Max Shrek because I was like, who is this Ebenezer Scrooge looking motherfucker (laughs) in this movie? And I really, I, I, I will yield the floor after saying this. I thought that all of the main characters in this movie, it was like the Scooby-Doo effect where when you knew something was important, it sort of stood out against the background. All of the character, all the main characters are like garish in their costumes and their hair, their wardrobe, their personality, whatever. And then everybody else in the background is like incredibly sort of normal looking and it, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I'll say this, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Seth, is that um, I found it so, as I rewatched it again for, I don't know, the 30th time or whatever, but um, the... The, like the I remember just being so creeped out as a child and it, it stuck with me. Like there are two instances in this movie that really burned into my brain. And one of them was what uh, the when they chucked the penguin as a baby into the into the mm-hmm. the river. And I was like, Oh man, that is that is so dark. And we'll get to this later, but another one was like the The train that took all the children away, but just I, I had such a deep fear of of uh, being kidnapped and like not being around my parents when I was a kid. And I think that this like resonated so, so much because of that. Um, yeah, that's that's my take. That
1: is uh, that I'm, I'm so sorry you ever had that fear and I'm sorry this movie brings it back to you. But that is that is an incredible bit of little Logan knowledge to know. Uh, I see Aaron's hand is up.
2: Yeah, just uh, tying into to what I think everybody's kind of said so far is that, like, one of the the most, like, wild things about this movie is, like, the, the whiplash you get from these, like, what I would consider not just, like, comic book elements, but, like, kind of, like, classic comic book elements, right? Like, comic books now are, like, mostly, you know, uh, there's all sorts of genres and whatnot, but, like, a lot of comic books are, like, very dark, like, they've learned how to be very dark and, like, very serious and... Uh, kind of how to reflect, like, w- what comic book movies have been since, like, the Nolan films. Um, but, like, this movie is does feel like like a classic, like, old-school comic book in a lot of ways. And then it, it's, like, juxtaposed with, like, incredibly dark subject matter that is, like, the Penguin's plan at the end of this movie is to kill every firstborn kid uh, in Gotham, which is a plan that is, like, obviously does not, like uh uh you know approach the like general death of the plan of like anybody in any superhero movie from the past like 20 years but it's like more specifically cruel in this very weird way yeah. right yeah it yeah, it's, like it's is biblically It's biblical cruel. yes it is like, like it is like old biblical. school yeah literally, yes literally it's- biblically <laughs> school yes uh and and there's like even more than that though there's like there's like a bunch of like very targeted violence towards animals that would just like not get shown in a movie there's like the penguin eats a cat as a, a kid like within the first few seconds of this movie there's this whole scene where the penguin and cat woman are like a cat woman is going to eat his bird and he he's he's like threatens to like stab her cat or just like a cat you know um and it's like there's like so much weirdly specific stuff that is like oddly more dark that like a lot of the violence what you see superhero movies now is like this very general violence and this is like very cartoonishly specific in this very humorous yet like deliciously dark way that I, I really like love quite a bit.
1: Yeah. It, you're, you're bringing up like how I feel about this movie's approach to comic book as a format to comic book as a medium to like, as a storytelling device is that it feels effortless through the incredible amount of effort that they that must've actually taken to make it look and feel like this, right? Like I like how literal, comic books used comic book movies used to be um now it's like i guess i just saw no way home and there's a whole bit there's a whole like dialogue about how electro falls into a pool of eels and ha- that's how he becomes a bad guy and everybody comments on it like in this snide like oh really that's that's weird like everybody's a little bit smarter than the plot you know i don't I don't really love that about new superhero movies. And in this case, it's like everybody just sort of accepts that there's actually a literal march of hundreds of penguins with, with ICBMs taped to their backs, going to explode the city. Uh, It's just like, unrepentantly in love with the stupidity and the ridiculousness that comic books can really bring forward um you know like logan said it's it that that to me is like more of the overarching feel of a comic book to to me of this movie than like how it looks which is obviously clearly inspired how it feels how the script moves all that kind of stuff it's how the characters are built in relation to that world that really rings with that whole like oh this feels like a comic book to me that it's it's not like we're, we're watching people who know what comic books are. We're not like getting this weird fourth wall breaking. Uh, everybody comments on how strange it is that the octopus man, it looks like an octopus. We have like, everybody just accepts that the penguin is called penguin because he's a short man who has webbed fingers. You know, I, I just, it's so baldly entertaining and so like clearly and unrepentantly in love with, with what it's showing that um it's, it's really hard to deny that amount of joy that was go, that goes into this, you know?
2: It it like kind of uh looks into the future and like uh like does commentary on what like comic book villains and even like superheroes had become and that like I, I yeah. remember having a very distinct memory uh Around, I don't even know what year it would have been, but like after the Dark Knight came out, there, I was on just like a bunch of internet forums, not like specific comic book ones, but just like general internet forums where people were talking about the next Batman movie and like what are they going to do because Heath Ledger died at that point. They had to like pick another villain. They didn't reveal that it's Bane, and people were just like talking through all the villains and were like, can't do this one because it's dumb. Can't do this one. This one they can make serious enough. And I remember like a, a post that somebody had made, lost the time now, that was like. The penguin, you could really do the, the penguin. Like, the, like a lot of you, you hear the penguin, and you think like, oh, it's like a guy who's a penguin. But like the penguin as like a nickname for like a serious mob boss, like a guy who's like a, you know a little heftier, but he carries around this cane, and you can treat like this like you know this blade or like sorted cane like really seriously, and you could do and like this movie is literally just like. He's a fucking penguin guy. He's, like, a guy who's a penguin. And there's even a scene at the end where he's, like, wrestling with Batman. And he's like, you're not a... I'm a real sicko because I'm actually, like, basically half penguin. You're just a guy who puts on a mask, you, you fake... You loser! I'm the real, real messed up one here. It's like, it's like so like delicious. We're like, yeah, comic book movies literally just used to be like, I some guy fucked a leopard and then there's like Leopard Man. I guess like that's just how we're gonna do it. That's the bad guy for this one. And like, it's a nice little throwback watching this. I think.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's hard to like overstate how fucking insane this movie is, right? And especially in the context of its time, and especially, especially in 2021, when we get the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, in, in my opinion, and say what you will about Marvel movies, but like, they are very much allegiant to, uh, the the commercial aspect and allegiance to the sort of um, need to take this subject matter seriously. Whereas this has always been my favorite Tim Burton because it feels almost like a prank, right? It, it feels like somebody gave Tim Burton a major blockbuster movie and he was like, I'm going to actually make this absolutely freakish, outlandishly gay send up to all <laughs> of everything that I think this movie is and for the record i think this movie is insanely queer by the way like all of all of the characters like like seth you had pointed out um it's it's wild right i mean like all of the the characters are characters who are in the like mean girls parlance too too gay to function right it's like even batman michael keaton in this movie clearly struggles to be a human being right? Like it feels very much more like it has ever than it has ever felt in any of the modern Batman movies that he is extremely uncomfortable as Bruce Wayne. He's like this weird sort of sniveling, like, simpy uh weirdo basically that that has trouble like relating to other people and when he's batman he's perfect right and that's how it always feels i mean like michelle pfeiffer's joker moment happens because she is tired of like being a part of regular society uh the penguin is like clearly this metaphor for like the way that we treat people doesn't are like it it builds up and builds up underneath our cities. And it's actually like a, a foundational um, existential problem for those cities. It's, it's wild, man. Like I can't believe that they got away with some of the stuff that they get away with in this movie. I mean, the penguin is just straight up making wild sex jokes the entire time he's in this movie. There's a part of the, there's a moment when Michelle Pfeiffer raises her heel and he sniffs it like a foot guy on the internet in the year 2021. It's just absolutely balls to the wall, just visually, uh, narratively and stylistically, and even the acting is is really good. And it it really, I really like that point that you made, Aaron, where it's sort of a commentary on the contemporary superhero movie because it's like this movie has no particular respect for or love for the
2: original Batman comic books.
3: And Batman and that- kills people. He kills so oh, many people yeah. in this movie. He
2: just yeah. murders. He and throws it. a guy with like a with a dynamite into a hole, and then he blows up a second
4: It rules. Right. <laughs> <it rolls. laughs> We just walk past it and it rocks right like it's so much better this is such a Chad movie compared to like any Marvel movie it's, it's just like fuck off like I'm gonna do exactly what I want to do and I'm gonna make this a weird movie that's kind of making fun of the subject matter and it feels more like a real superhero movie than any other movie because of that right like we had talked about how this is such a comic book movie and I think it's because it's not taking it's like it's it transcends that really annoying binary of the sort of um like sincerity versus Versus irony um, that that all of these movies have to walk now, where, like you had said, Jason, it's smart. Like we have to pretend like we're smarter than the subject matter and sort of laugh at it, like in uh, No Way Home. Whereas this movie, like, absolutely exalts in everything, like right down to the gay subtext of the sixties Batman comic books. Like it's playing in all of those waters, and it's so much better for it. I think.
3: He, uh, agreed on all fronts pretty much and i i mean we've brought up the sort of um compare and contrast nature of like watching this especially with no way home just coming out and like superhero movies being a capital t thing now like I, and i'm as much as i don't want to do it like i'm gonna keep bringing uh, i'm gonna bring that up as well like it's hard not to Right, like, and the the fact that No Way Home and and the MCU exists in like all these things, and the DC whatever it is they're trying to do right now as well, those movies. But like the fact that those exist, and we're not the first people to do it. There's been like definitely a, a big reappraisal movement sort of lately with watching the '80s and '90s Batman movies and. Sort of as like a shot chaser, um, like relationship, um, just like the the things that you get out of those movies you don't get out of the movies coming out now. And like I, I was trying to think about it as well, um, uh, while like my, during my most recent watch, and like there there are a couple things. And uh, Jason mentioning that there's no like the the sort of snide uh, uh, demeanor that a lot of like contemporary superhero movie characters have, like you don't really get that same thing here. Like there's a, there's buy-in from everybody, right? Buy-in that you wouldn't see from like Robert Downey Jr. Or, you know, any, like anybody else really in a super, like Keaton brings this like really weird cornball energy to the Bruce Wayne Batman balancing. He's act. So good dude. He, he like, uh, like definitely like hugely underappreciated. I, I think, which is really weird to say for like his name being in the title. Um, DeVito is, as we've said, he's very consciously disgusting and horny and he's next to this, uh, this character played by Christopher Walken, who's just like straight facing it the whole time. You know, he, the, the straight man, it, it made me think of like, and this is a really, well, I guess holiday movie uh, ties, but it, it made me think of like Michael Caine, like acting the shit out of um, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. What next to a bunch of fucking Muppets, you know, it, like it's, it's this,
1: that's so like, good, dude. It, it's, it's just, Cody, like, that's brilliant. It It's the, it's the yeah, same it's really thing. Good
3: it's a, ser- and then, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, which I mean, like she, I mean, she nails it, right. She, she knows that she needs to, needs to play this a little too absent-minded while also being a little too out of her mind while also being, um, a little too sexy, you know, um, the year of the simp ain't over yet. Um, and, and I, I, the other sort of thing I landed on is like, yeah, I mean, I mean the penguins killing kids, but like this movie is offset by not narrative beats. I I think in a way that like a lot of Like MCU movies try to do where, or I mean, they do like that a lot of the, um the crux of the shock falls on like, you know, who's playing the villain or like who dies in this movie? Like the things that were most shocking to me while watching Batman returns was like when G- Cobblepot bites somebody's fucking nose off or like when, um, when Selena, Kyle and, and, uh, Bruce Wayne, they they're staring at each other with these wide eyes after realizing who, uh, like e- each other is. I think, I think about that scene all the time. Like it, uh, Seriously, like weekly, that like it's so good. There are so many good, just like little, um, like little moments. Um, a horde of penguin bombers. Just like that's what this movie is. Is like that's what the foundation is here, and that's why it's so memorable and like weirdly timeless in a way that, um, yeah, I don't know. Other stuff might not be. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I have no break on this other than to say that yeah, this this movie rips, y'all.
0: I jotted down, I went back and watched this movie with more of an analytical eye and I came away with some really gem, uh, quotes and I'll just like run through them and we can react to them. Oh yes. um, Um, I want to put as my text tone, Christopher Walken saying expensive baubles. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, the way that he says it, said, wobbles, like, wobbles. Wobbles. Ah, I, oh, oh a, a quick interjection. I was pointing out to Seth, I love how the guy who plays Christopher Walken's son, Max Shrek's son, adopts a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, so good. So good. <laughs> anyway, keep going with your quotes.
0: Um, another one was that, uh, give the Constitution a rest, it's Christmas. <laughs> and i loved all the like the stupid jokes where um like penguin was talking to the to the the press and he said i was the number one son but i was treated like number two which is a great poop joke
1: <laughs> i know you like your poop jokes
0: Logan. i do like a good poop joke and
1: that's why i'm going to give you a quick
0: there you go. I, I, um, I remember this was this caught me off guard because I hadn't recognized it before until I watched it last night. But um, Shrek was talking to Bruce Wayne in their one-on-one meeting, and he said, "Do you want to go fifteen rounds with Muhammad Shrek?"
1: Yeah, dude, <laughs> this makes no fucking
0: sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a thing to say, I guess. Um, another quote was, uh, when Batman was going to rescue that, uh, light lady, when he was getting framed, he was fighting Catwoman and he said, and I quote, eat floor, high fiber.
1: Well,
0: the high fiber
4: part is the second half after he slams her head first. Yeah.
0: Eat eat floor. he floor he throws her into the ground high fiber it's so good it's like <laughs> and, you
4: know the, the Batman who makes quips we all love that Batman who famously quipped
0: <laughs> and the last one that I have and then I'll seed the floor here um, is when I think penguin was getting backed into a corner and he was getting really angry and he goes sexes are all equal when the erogenous zones are blown sky high.
4: <laughs> I think that There's, I think that's the thesis of the movie. I think that's, right. that he really
0: nailed it there. There's so.
1: so much simpler ways to say what he was trying to say there, but he had to make it theatrical <laughs> and. your Aragons' homes
0: are blown sky high, so fuck it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh Man. my god. Uh, my. One of my favorite bits of dial or I guess monologue is when uh, Catwoman has Batman pinned and they're sort of looking up at the scaffolding around them and there's you know Christmas decorations and stuff and apropos of nothing I mean out of nowhere Batman decides to say that mistletoe is lethal if you eat it (laughs) like that was so good man why the fuck would you where is your mind man what are you what are you thinking
4: that's that's why this Bruce Wayne is the best Bruce Wayne right because it's like this is the dude who really was like off being a nerd and learning ninja shit from 20 to 30, right? It's like, that's what it would yeah. happen. He wouldn't be this like suave dude. He would be this fucking freak because he dresses up like <laughs> a bat and goes out every night. And so like, yeah, of course he would say that. I love his interactions with Michelle Pfeiffer in here because it's like, it's the first time he's ever met a woman in, in his life. The way that he sees and talks to her. It's so yeah. funny. So I don't I He's got game. He's got that, game, doesn't he's he? He's trying. Yeah. Man, has some he's game.
2: yeah.
4: Uh, my favorite quote, I don't know if I'm stealing this from anybody, but I really love when the campaign manager, which uh, to get to the absurdism, which I think that the absurd comedy of this movie is super important for it. But like they try to make Penguin the mayor after his PR. Like the whole point of this movie is that they're they're trying to like rehabilitate the penguins. mate uh, image so they can make him mayor so that Shrek can have his his power sucking power plant, which is never explained <laughs> any more than just that. But uh and the the campaign manager goes, uh put these gloves on. Uh the our research shows that voters like fingers.
2: <laughs> it's so good. I don't know why that's I don't know why that's like a not believable thing that like a you know that like a really gross, creepy, pervy uh, guy can try and steal an election with outside interference i don't know what
1: uh come on man come on man <laughs> you know, No, am no, sorry on, Seth, please, about, Seth. please yeah. save me here <laughs> i'm yeah. sure the last bastion of democracy will will save us right
5: really yeah. so the the sad part is this probably relates to electoral politics because the quote that stood out for me that i wanted to bring up is when Max Shrek is trying to convince the penguin to buy into his plan, he lets him know some of the benefits of the mayor uh, you know, the the office of mayor, including, imagine as mayor, you'd have the ear of the media, access to captains of industry, unlimited Poontang. <laughs> unlimited yeah. Poontang. That phrase movie. was said, yeah, that phrase was said in a Batman film. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. Uh, and and
4: said to Danny DeVito is Danny DeVito like like Snivels and like jumps up and down because he's so fucking horny, excited at the prospect of it. <laughs> what,
2: what, right? what about the scene where he's he's in front of like the unexpected you know pop up campaign office that that uh, Max Shrek shows him, and he's just like the whole time he's just eating a fish, just like he has a fish <laughs> in his hands and he's just like just he's eating it disgusting. raw, just digging Dude. into it. It's <laughs> like tell tell me a more a more visceral portrayal of a villain in a in a Marvel film. Tell you can't do it. It doesn't exist.
0: I would say that there are like a like a weird amount of sexual innuendos in this movie. Um, yeah. Like I'd like to fill, fill her void, like it, it's you like, know, it, I don't it's know a if a that's innuendo. innuendo right? yeah. well, <laughs> so, it's it's, it's, it's pretty so
5: gone past up. that, yes. <laughs> yeah, the other like this is the most extremely 1992 ass 1992 moment is the prominent like feature shots Of CDs and specifically when uh, Michael Keaton is in the bat cave and he's hijacked the penguin speech uh, in front of Gotham Plaza and he's recording some of the audio. And he record scratches the CD with the (laughs) dude. I lost my shit. And the the CD has the
4: Batman symbol on it while he's doing that. So he's like DJ Batman in that moment. Incredible.
0: That's literally the only reason that I like this movie better than the original is because it was DJ Batman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't Prince come back? What's up? What's What the
0: fuck? You know?
2: This really could use a Prince song. They got to get a Sushi and the Banshees song, but, like, fucking get a Prince song. What are you doing? It's the only problem with this
4: movie. It's horny
2: enough for it. It's absolutely horny enough for an 80s,
1: early 90s Prince song. Like, the presence of Prince at least in the soundtrack of the first one, is to add a whole lot of sex to that movie, right? This movie didn't need that. (laughs) This movie would have been pornography if Prince were in this movie. It's so Uh, funny how, like, openly satirical every element
4: is, right? Like, even the Michelle Pfeiffer stuff, uh, to get back to Aaron's point, it's like, that stuff feels like a satirization of, like, 2020 Marvel movie girl boss movies, right? Because it's so straight up and so over the top where, like, she's talking to her, she, like... She gets a message from one of her uh, suitors who's like, "Hey, remember when uh, we said we were going to go on vacation? I'm going to go myself because my therapist says I need to be my own man." And then, like, he hangs up, and she says, "Uh, "Some appendage." Uh, And then, and then she says, uh, "Like, I guess I should have let him win at racquetball or something, right?" Like, it's it's so comically over the top, but like, it's so committed at the same time, right? Like, there's no trace of irony except that in the in the sort of like the batter itself right like the fact that like obviously this is all ironic but like they're so committed to it it feels so good compared to like everything we get now basically
2: i have a thing to say that i can say okay all right here here's my thing warming up okay uh, this is not uh, not a weird sexual moment but uh, while we're talking about just like the most like 1992 ass things in this film uh, or like the most like classic comic book like it, like the thing about that, that, uh, this is gonna be galaxy brain the thing about comic books is that they were cartoons right like you can't call them cartoons now because people get upset you gotta they're graphic novels they're comic books they're, yeah they're not cartoons but like they were cartoons and they were it if not like descended from like parallel to a lineage of like uh, uh people yeah yeah well, like you know anvils falling on people and and road runners running across cliffs and whatnot oh yeah like, i and, mean
4: Sorry, yeah. but like this is this is a in in addition to everything else we've been talking about, and this is maybe the most wild part. This is a children's movie, like unabashedly. Yeah. It is it is written and scripted for children. It's just like, hey, what if an adult pervert made <laughs> children's movies? And it's like that's Which exactly what it is.
2: That's ex- that's what happens. Yes. Uh, the 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 thing that I was going to bring up was the the funniest uh, cartoony comic book moment is uh, after the kind of beginning, like, the opening uh, attack scene in which a bunch of, like, I don't know, like, Juggalo-looking people uh, attack, you know, the town square as they're unveiling the Christmas tree and whatnot. Max Shrek uh, like, stumbles into a side alley and he leans up against a wall and he's like, I'm safe now. You know, do your, do your best impression there. Be like he like leans up against a wall and there there's like a trapdoor underneath him that just exists for some reason that is perfect max Shrek size that he falls into. And there's like the way that they show it is they they like there's like a shot of like the entire alleyway, which is quite large, him standing kind of small up against a wall, and there's a trapdoor that is just fit for him that he just happens to stand on top of it's so funny it's so good he's like disappears down it like instantly it's it's amazing it's like I, I,
5: put more of that shit in movies please
1: i believe seth can comment uh those do exist in new york right
5: uh those do exist one thing i just really want to get in here because you brought that up i thought the same thing i was like how does that trap door go from downtown gotham to the zoo And then I thought later, just kind of like when they show uh, Bruce Wayne getting into the Iron Maiden to go into the Batcave, I realized like, oh, and then it goes like into like a shoot. Uh, He he has a little fun slide that he slides down. I don't know why other Batman movies don't actually show how he gets into the Batcave. And then I started wondering about it, like. In the Nolan movies, do you ever actually see how Bruce Wayne gets into the Batcave? You do, uh, but it,
4: it's, it's boring. Yeah. He like plays an out of tune piano and yeah. the
5: bookcase slides I'm, by. But I mean, really
4: wanted to talk about specifically that Iron Maiden scene because that is a really good example of what I love so much about this movie where they devote like a full four minutes to that sequence. And it's just, he and Alfred talking, he flips a thing, the Iron Maiden opens, and it opens so dramatically in the background. And then like the camera focuses on it. And uh, Michael Keaton is like, are you ready? And Alfred, who is amazing in this movie, by the way, he just goes, I believe I'll take the stairs. And then like, Michael Keaton gets into the Iron Maiden. It closes and then the like the spikes retract just as they're about to pierce him. And then he slides down this slide and he comes out in the back cave and then Alfred just walks down the stairs and they just continue their conversation. And none of that shit ever comes back up. It's like, there wasn't a point to showing any of that except to show that like this version of Bruce Wayne is an absolute fool who just wants to design this shit for fun and is like absolutely having the the time of his life being this like batman
1: pervert in (laughs) pajamas right it's so good he loves how weird batman is uh logan
0: also speaking of that scene did you notice um how much shade that bruce cast on alfred because he was saying the whole reason oh my god it's so good because the whole reason that i feel like um alfred said that he was gonna take the stairs was because bruce was like hey man you fucking let vicky vale in the in the Batcave right. last movie, like, what's your deal? Oh, yeah. And, and Michael
4: Keaton's yeah. it's so hard, too, where he's like, oh, you want to talk about security? You want to talk about security? Yeah, who let exactly. Vicky Vale in the Batcave? It's so good.
0: He's like, it's yeah, like, you let Vicky Vale, I turned around, and she was there, so what the fuck, dude?
4: It's so and, incomprehensible to our understanding of, like, the contemporary, hyper-serious, grimdark Batman. That, like, <laughs> this, is, this is a Batman who just, like, has these sort of, like, catty, bitchy, like, uh... <laughs> S- like argument, sort of like tete-a-tetes with his Alfred, with Alfred as Butler. Right, it's so yeah. funny, and Alfred per- occupies such a good position in this movie, in as the straight man, in like every sense. Right, where like he's just the guy who wasn't shaped by Gotham City, and so he's right. not like a freak, and he just has to deal with all of these people. And there are multiple scenes of like Alfred just dealing with both Michelle Pfeiffer's character and Bruce Wayne Batman and like having to deal with the fact that they're just like so ill-equipped for human interaction and he just sort of like deadpans it. It's so funny. It it works out really, really well.
0: Yeah. I think that's why he's the best Alfred. And I think that's why, you know, we can go into the lost Tim Burton movie that was supposed to come after this. But I think that's why he was carried into Batman forever is because he, I think he is the best Alfred. As much as I like Michael Caine in the in the Nolan movies, I think Michael Go is just spot on as as Alfred. He's but- so
4: good, and it's like it's such an important element of this movie to have a person who is like a relatively normal human being because it does such a great job of highlighting just how messed up all of these characters are.
1: Yeah. Um. T- t- elaborate on that a little bit, Logan. Tell me, tell me why uh, Michael Go is is like the definitive.
0: Well, I think that he's more subtle, and he is obviously more like subservient to Bruce Wayne. Where Michael Kane is a great um, Alfred, but he's also. He's like know. wise, right? He
2: like provide he, he like provides like, counsel to Batman, right? He's like, yeah, he's like always
0: only... got like the answer there. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's this whole character, whereas like Michael Goh provides like this like Budumcha kind of like
4: <laughs> Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, got, like...
0: he's like the 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 second to Bruce Wayne, and which is why I think that they kept him for um Batman forever.
4: For sure. I mean, like, Michael kane is, is like a father figure to Batman very clearly. Whereas in this one, it feels more like they're the odd couple, right? Like, they're they're just this bickering old couple that, like, knows too much about each other and loves to, like, take it out on one another in this sort of, like, very loving, silly fashion.
3: Yeah, I I I totally agree with Logan. I think um, just to to maybe add a little context for um, the athletes out there, you know, when I think of Michael Go as Alfred, like I see it's it's like he's sort of like a a like a low use. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. You know what I mean? Like it's like in in Christopher Nolan movies, not just the Batman movies, but like everybody is like a ball handler. You know, like everybody is like they're set up to be like a superstar. Michael Caine as Alfred, like. Great, because it's Michael Kane. Um, he you know, he's, he's a good actor. He brings a lot to that role, but like, we don't like, you don't need Alfred to be that, like you just need efficient. Like he has some nice deflections for like some of the dumb shit that Bruce Wayne says, like Michael Go does like exactly what Logan's saying, you know, just like, like you, you don't need, you don't need Michael Go to be this. Yeah. Like this dude who's taken, you know, 20 shots a game. He just needs to have like a good, efficient, you know, couple of uh, timely baskets, you know, and, and that is, that's that's sports.
2: I don't know whatever nerd shit you're talking about, but uh, I, I I feel the need to back up my man Michael Kane I I don't, I don't know. Am I the only one here who's like? I'm not see, saying I, he's. I, does he need backing up? I like. No, I, I think of I'm course not. But like Logan with Logan was saying, like, ah, oh, I don't know if Michael Kane's a bad. I had like a uh like a visceral reaction to like I had like a no like like in my mind I was like can't say that like I don't know something about Michael K- maybe it's because I, I didn't grow up with this I didn't grow up with the original uh, uh, Batman uh, and I, I think I'm kind of with Seth and like I I think when I watched these movies as a kid I usually rented Batman and Robin which maybe says more about the idiocy of young Aaron more than anything else but like I didn't grow up with these two I, is he in Batman and Robin does anybody know because like yeah. I don't have a child okay Oh, well, that that's my bad. Then. But I don't have a childhood memory of like for me like I think Michael Kane is kind of the character. I don't know, maybe I need to maybe I need to rewatch the rest of the uh Schumacher and uh, Burton films to to get that instilled in me.
5: Now, I I I know where you're coming from, Aaron, but honestly, I think I'm inclined to agree with Logan at this point and uh with Cody uh to, to keep it going, it's almost kind of like Uh, Michael go is the Michael Jordan of, of Alfred's, uh, in that he is fantastic, but I did not watch him in his prime. (laughs) So I only (laughs) only know him from all the commercials and shit. Exactly. I know him from the commercials and the past references, but, uh, in the same way that we all know that Michael Caine is a great actor. When I ask myself, okay, if you have a great actor like Michael Caine, uh, would I want to devote a subplot of a Batman movie to Alfred's character? And it's just like, no, I don't give a shit. I want him to have witty repartee and and British sayings and a little smarm and a little help, but nothing nothing too much. He has to like like yeah. Cody said, he needs to play uh, within his in yeah. his lane. He needs to, to make Michael fun God of God his back. sad
4: gay son, Batman. That's what I want Alfred sure. to do. be
2: funny and. He's not counsel. He's uh he's like a, uh, kind of like a critic in a weird way. Right. He like, yeah. he kind of yeah. like gets it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Logan was saying, he's, he's sort of the straight man to a character that is supposed to be the straight man to all the weird people in this. Like he out straight man's straight man, Batman. Right. Uh, also Michael Caine just cries too much. Uh, he's, he's just, he's not enough of a backbone. He's, he's too, he's too wimpy. Uh, I don't on. know. What you, I don't know what you weird as we're talking about with sports. I hate the sports talk, but
0: I will say I love Michael Caine in the dark, like the, the Nolan movies. I think he's a fantastic Alfred, but the reason that I like Michael go is because he, yeah, I think what was it? Harry said it. He, he's such a good, like second man. Um, he supports Batman as opposed to being like side by side by Batman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: as opposed to like being a built character in himself. He is like the accessory, right? Um, There was like, broadly, this was my first time watching this movie full through. Um, and broadly, like there are three things I know that I will remember it for three big, like defining things. The first of which is that it's very much, and everybody's talked about this. Everybody who, you know, discusses movies, I guess, uh, is that it's very much about class and power in like a very on, on the nose, um, like written directly into the plot. How Max Drake is literally trying to deprive the people of Gotham, like the lower and middle classes of power literally power like energy like electricity power it is not not subtle about that um, right
4: it's it's so thematic that it actually doesn't make logistical mechanical sense where he's trying to build like i said before a power sucking power plant and everybody's like why are you trying to build a power plant we've got a power surplus and he's like but it's not enough and it's like what are you talking
2: about yeah. Also, that like that plan doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the film anything, right? yeah, really. no, and like yeah it's totally fine yeah. A movie these of, yeah. days would be like, oh, he's building the power plant, and then there's the finale, like the half-built power plant, right? But this movie yeah. is like, yeah, there's a, yeah, all right, there's a conversation two-thirds of the way through the movie where it turns out that it's sucking energy, and then that's kind of like it.
1: Well, it's sort of abandoned in favor of the mayoral subplot, right? Which then sort of gives the movie back to Devito. But, um, irrespective of that, like Logan, I'm really specifically, particularly interested in your view. Like, is Having seen this movie a bazillion times over the last thirty years, is that one of the things that sticks out to you? Is sort of like this open commentary on class in Gotham. Um,
0: honestly, like I, <clears throat> the reason that I rewatched it last night was because I've spent so many years just like watching all my favorite parts and not really looking at it with a critical eye. Um, but now that you say that, I think the the whole power plant thing doesn't make a whole ton of sense right you know um i think it in a certain sense it makes sense to like set up max Rec as a, a as a villain but it doesn't mm-hmm. like they don't ever follow through with it um, yeah I, so I- I think
1: the, th- the reason that I, that I that it worked for me or that it like sticks out so strongly for me, this whole theme is like because you have such clear embodiments of these concepts in uh, Max Shrek, the sort of like bi- billionaire one percenter ruling class evil guy who doesn't necessarily need to increase his power over the people of Gotham. He just needs to deprive them of it to maintain his status quo uh, and Selina Kyle being sort of like the the. Well, let, let's go to, um, uh, to Cobblepot, the, the penguin at the very bottom, like Harry said, like the, the bedrock, the foundation of what Gotham is, it's built on people who are treated like, like the penguin, like Oswald Cobblepot, just like number two, you know, exactly. Like discarded, like forgotten, like abandoned, um, the, the, you know, impoverished, et cetera. Uh, and then in the middle, you have this like agent of chaos, this, this movie's Joker, as Harry was saying, uh, in Selena, Kyle, who is like respect like she seems to be of some means she's working for a big corporation she's not paid what she's worth and all that but uh eventually like she has reason to sort of betray them both she's playing in between the two uh like different casts that these other villains are part of right uh the fact like the reason that this movie rings so strongly with me in that is not just because like the plot is about a power plant and a guy who just wants more power for himself but because like you've put these characters you've put like You've put humans. You've you've uh, what what is the term? Not synecdoche, uh personification of these concepts of these broad concepts in these specific characters in these characters that people would have already known by now, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly, and maybe this is my galaxy brain thing for this movie, like Aaron was saying, but um, this is like a. I think that this is maybe like one of Tim Burton's biggest sort of thesis movies in in terms of his entire filmography because like i think that it it works so well specifically as a christmas movie and specifically examining like the particularities and intersectionalities of the topics that it's broaching right where it's it's a it is legitimately a movie about sexism and about institutional misogyny and it is legitimately about class and it is legitimately about the difference between what we purport to be and what we are and how That those manifestations, those outward manifestations, um, end up twisting or warping or perverting the sort of inward manifestations, right? And it's such a Tim Burton point, right, that they're saying like... Throughout this movie they're trying to do traditional things. They're trying to maintain this veneer of society in Gotham City, right? They're trying to light the tree, they're trying to elect a mayor, they're they're trying to bring safety and order back to their streets. And even Batman is supposed to represent safety and order, and that is portrayed as just as satirical as it is, right? This idea that like that there was ever anything to to those ideas, to that notion of sort of like egalitarianism or uh Or um, capitalism being sort of like just or the criminal justice system working or even sort of like human society as a whole operating in this traditional sense that we thought it was it's like we see what it did to these people right like it made gotham city made batman it made catwoman it made the penguin and like in a in a world where those things are true where people are split down the middle as michael keaton says at the end of this movie it is absurd right it is absurd that that we are attempting to put this Veneer over this sort of like mask over, um, what, what really is this, this very dark, chaotic thing. And I think that it's like a perfect vessel for examining like psychosexuality and, um, class and sort of civilization in it and its discontents in that way. Right. In a very Tim Burton manner uh, and having so much fun with it at the same time. And it like, it makes Christmas the perfect symbol for it. And it makes Batman the perfect sort of symbol for it and comic books. Right. Like it all comes down to this idea that like you are staring in the face of how things actually are. And the fact that we keep trying to think that it's, it's this other way. It's this traditional way that, that these traditions and these, um these standard classifications of like, how human society works and how we're all built like that, that ever equated to anything is, is absurd and becoming more and more absurd. Right. It's, it's a
2: really good point. I really like it for that reason. Hey, why does Batman's manner have the bat signal? Isn't that, wouldn't that it just, well, it reflects wouldn't everybody know? Refines. Didn't
4: you see that when, when they, they shoot it up and then the Bruce Wayne's manner, like it catches it and like, it reflects off a few things so that it ends up coming into his room.
5: Yeah, but then I, anybody would see that the bat signal is yeah, in Yeah,
2: that's ludicrous. I mean, come on. If you're the cops, you got to think. I mean, I know they're incompetent, but you got to think you'd be able to figure that one out, right? Well, no, but I
4: mean, You'll nobody piece else piece sees that two. it's
5: reflecting that way. It's hey, just for- I don't buy that. The cops' take-home is only $300. But
2: too much.
4: Wait,
5: was it too much? <laughs> what was it? Overpaid.
2: One? Overpaid. 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 God, it's yeah, so yeah, good.
5: Yeah. yeah, she she's
2: good in this movie. We haven't really talked she's too much really about her, in, but she's a... Uh, She's good. She's got the. I think probably like the probably the the hardest character. I mean, you know, Halle Berry couldn't really do it. You know what I mean? I, I think she she does Catwoman well. I think despite her, her her turn doesn't really make sense. Like, why? I guess she 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 like. She doesn't die, right? But she like falls out of this window, or she's pussed out. Hey, of this hey, window. hey! We,
1: we we just got done talking about how the logic of this movie and how the cartooniness is like exactly why we love it. We don't need to pick. Well, no, I mean she scabs. just snaps.
4: She has it's more the Joker than one yeah. day. She literally becomes the Joker. She's just like, I'm not taking it anymore. And I've but she then she's like,
2: I guess I have a bunch of cats, so we're doing the cat thing. And she like, it is like
4: an incredible gymnast um, immediately, and,
2: and a jewel pulled. thief, and everything. She just like immediately is like, there's like no.
1: Formal training here, you know. There's no I mean, justification this, for this it. This is just this is just what your life is like when you get a full round eight hours of sleep. None of us do that, so we, just, we can't really relate.
4: Also, we should talk about how like it rocks that she is such a weird freakish subversion of like Catwoman's where I feel like the modern Catwoman is very much a male gazy thing right where it's like she's supposed to be sexual in a way that appeals specifically to men obviously that is still on display here she's still Michelle Pfeiffer she's still in the leather but she like the big kiss scene in this movie is that she licks Michael Keaton's face when she's on top of him like she straight up like licks up his mask uh and then like There's at one point she starts, she makes a joke about how she can give herself a bath right here, and then she starts licking the leather on herself and bathing like a cat. At one point, she swallows a canary. I really loved that as like a like, listen, you're this is not sexuality for you. This is sexuality for her and it's going to make you kind of uncomfortable because of how much she owns it. It's such a better version of Catwoman's reclaiming sexuality because it's like, it's not at all it felt. I mean, obviously it is actually interested in the male gaze, but I really love that idea that it's like, it's actually for her and it's going to make you uncomfortable.
1: Right. It's not palatable. It makes her look like the, um,
5: like she's fucking nuts. like, like 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 like
1: Like the doll woman in nightmare, uh, before Christmas, right? Like just a stitched up. Like, uh,
5: it's funny you said that Eric, cause like this, this could be a whole nother podcast onto itself, what I'm about to drop, but I, but I will bring it up. Like what, uh, me and Jason, the host here, uh, one of the hosts, I should say, uh, we went to Japan a, a while ago at the beginning of 2021, ah, here we before, go before the pandemic. No. And one of the things that struck me and I even brought it up to my parents, that's how much of an impact it made on me was like, how cool. Like how okay with being horny Japan was, where it was just like, it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be like, you know, just, you know, boobies or anything like that. But like, we're all horny. Let's, let's, you know, let's call it out kind of thing where I I brought that up to my parents. I was just like, everybody here is so horny and they're so okay with it. Uh, That is what I felt like watching this movie where it was just like, everybody is making innuendos. Everybody is simping. Like yeah. every time Danny DeVito's on screen, he is, he is, he's sexually harassing people like it, but like at no point is it ever like, it's never called into question from anybody by anybody. They are just kind of like, "Yep, we are here. We are horny. We're making these lines." Michelle Pfeiffer's in in uh, in you know shiny leather. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I think I I think I heard this describe this movie described as a quote unquote kink opera. <laughs> yeah,
5: dude, that's, <laughs> I think that's that's a good perfect description.
4: Description, right? It, it because like the horniness, like Seth said, that's a really good description. But also the horniness is like much more expansive than it would be in in like contemporary where like weird things are allowed to be horny and like kind of freaky things in this movie are allowed to be horny in a way that they're really not in contemporary blockbusters. I feel like definitely. definitely.
1: Oh wow. Uh, oh, you owe me a coke. Um, the final thing that I like—I said that there were a bunch of buckets that I keep thinking about this movie, and and I'm only saying this to like pivot to the next conversation point. So anybody can take it from me anytime you you, want, you like. Just yank me off stage with a with a sheep's crook. But um, it is just so specifically and artfully crafted this movie. I even sent Logan one of the gifts I made last night just because it is like, there are some stunning shots in this movie. I mean, in addition to the set design, which is obviously clearly like sort of a gothic thing, I heard it referred to as like a German expressionist style, which I still have yet to understand what that really means. But um, like these movies are remembered for their set design and that aesthetic. And those des- definitely deserve praise. Like they are stunning, but it's also like I said, just so deliberately shot, and each shot so deliberately composed. Like there, re- like uh, do you guys remember just like how many weird and interesting angles and cuts there are? How it just all complements that weird stone cold gothic architecture feeling. Like if it were shot any differently, I wouldn't feel the same about it. Uh, even with all the same set dressing and design and stuff.
0: No, totally. No. In- yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I think that um, just what you said, I I actually jotted down a note that said, um, I looked up the Wikipedia page of it, and it's a combination of fascist architecture and World's Fair architecture.
5: Fuck
1: yeah. (laughs) Whoa.
0: (laughs) So. (laughs) I I fucking um, love that description. So I think that, like, one of the things that I noted, like, right from the beginning is that. You know, if, if you've seen the first Burton Batman, you know, like the the gothic themes and everything like that. But it mm-hmm. seems like with this one, he like cranked it up to 11, you know, like the yeah, yeah, the, the opening scene with the with Penguin as a baby. Like, that's such a intense house that it's, they're it's in wild, dude, you know? And but,
1: yeah, and, and even just the way that not to derail you, you keep going, no, like, no, go for just, it. even the way that Pee Wee Herman turns around with his monocle and shitty mustache, the fact like, that it's
4: Pee Wee Herman, like, come well, on,
1: one, one, the fact that it's Pee Wee Herman, but, but two, like, just, I am remembering so vividly the style of that house and the colors that are in the shots and like the, the blocking of everything, but even just like the way that the camera decides to zoom in on their faces before they toss their martinis, you know, just just indelible some of these weird images and it's just such it makes you really appreciate and i don't think about this often because i'm not much of like the joy of how movies are made type of guy but it really makes you appreciate how in sync the screenwriter storyboarder director and actors must have been to make each one of these things just feel so important and unique and bespoke down to like individual shots i I love it so much guys
3: Uh, I do too. And I totally agree. It feels like oftentimes we're taking literally the scenic route uh, to get to like the shot we need. And I can't point to any specifics, um, uh, because that's how my brain is right now. But just like when a close up will do, we're either like sitting at like an extra long shot or like we're, we're zooming in like very slowly just to get like more of a glimpse at this Whoville ass Gotham city. Yes, yes, yes. And and not to, not to like soapbox this even more than like I and and we already have, but just like that's why this is so much fun to revisit and that's why it like continues to hold up so well and to get like pos- – like it gets positively re- reappraised because there's so much texture here and like such an obvious investment in – uh, location and sets and production and like all of those things. There's something like you can, you can just taste how rotten Oswald Cobblepot is just because like all the shit he's like swimming in throughout the, whole, uh, like the, you know, when he's walking around, he's coated in it. He rises up out of, you know, a, a lake of dog shit with, like, during his, you know, it, like emergence onto the, the streets of Gotham. And, and like that goes, that like that goes for everybody um to their own, like, weird extents but yeah I, like I, I don't know I, I i pick i'm smelling what they're putting down i guess um i'm really stunned by the fact that you said
4: whoville like gotham city i think that's one of that's like the best descriptor i've ever heard of this um and and i agree i really love what logan brought up about the whole like fascist architecture art deco meets um world fair stuff i think that's like really important to this conceptualization of of gotham is this sort of like high camp twisted uh, like parody of a straight city right or like parody of the american dream parody of like it it's really this like this disgusting sort of like over exaggeration pynchon style or like even john waters style of of what it would be like to live in like a, the the metropolis of America. Right. And I really love that. I also really love how unbelievably high camp the set design is where like, it is so fundamentally uninterested in looking like anything other than a set. Right. Like there, there's one shot in particular in like the very first scene where like, there's this bridge that that's like spindling in the background of this, um in in front of this building where they 're giving a speech, and like there's so much verticality to the city where like there are just open sewers in the streets, and like it never looks like anywhere that a person would live it always looks like it's a like a play like a stage somebody set up, but it looks so good and it 's so um captivating and so like um engrossing for that reason um i'll also before I see the floor here, real quick shout out to the fact that like I, Batman has like a viking funeral pyre in his home at all times. He's got like a like a 1000 square foot um fireplace that is just always going full blast and it's like how is that that's got to be the most dangerous thing in Gotham City. He's
1: got like a <laughs> But, but he doesn't like need a, to deal with it. It's Alfred's yeah, problem now. Right, exactly.
5: No, th- those were definitely two things that I thought of like Aaron, uh, Aaron brought up the the bat signal thing, so I had to seed it uh but like i noticed that is a giant ass fireplace uh just un uncomprehensibly big and then second i didn't bring up the the shot of the bad signal shining in because i was like that doesn't uh well th- it's a pretty cool shot though so i'll let it slide it's a there real cool
4: shot and also danny elfman goes fucking nuts
5: on this he really boy. does Oh yeah! Uh, Shout out to Danny Elfman. I was listening for it when they're doing that whole sequence of dropping uh, baby penguin into the river. There's like music. There's the score, but then it goes into like the Danny Elfman Batman theme right when Michael Keaton's name shows up, and then I was just like, "Oh, like let's let's go! Like now now we're welcome to the fucking show." They don't
1: do it like this anymore. This is a lost art. <laughs> uh, well, that, guys, I, I don't want to take the wind out of anybody's sails, but that, that was the end of my bag of thoughts. Should we sort of segue into final thoughts and trivia? Um, and then finally, our final segment of the show after that. Is everybody ready for that? I'm just going to keep asking if everybody's ready. For I am that ready. Everybody is seemingly ready for that. Um, so, Logan, I understand you've probably got a few more on that uh, page of notes of yours. Uh, hit us with some with some shits about this movie.
0: Okay, let's see. Only have a few. Cody might have some more noties, but um. Hoo, hoo, hoo. One thing that I found was really interesting is that the original plot was that um, Penguin and Catwoman were gonna go after hidden treasure. <laughs> uh,
1: okay,
4: what? <laughs> like like a style? Them? Like
1: yeah? Like what? Uh... You gotta think. Swashbuckling Batman movie?
0: That doesn't yeah. sound quite right. Just going after hidden treasure, like like we all you know do. he has like a grappling <laughs> hook that's just
2: kind of like the whip swing that Indy does. Like they're, yeah. they're a similar Ooh. character. You
0: know, there's some comparisons there.
3: Batten down you know the right. hatches, Alfred. Battening, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One thing that I thought was interesting that reminded me, I was texting Jason about this. Um the original cat woman was cast as Annette Benning. Oh yeah. She um, became pregnant. And so I, uh... before they got to Michelle Pfeiffer, they cast Raquel Welch, Jennifer Jason Lee, Madonna, Cher, Bridget Fonda, Lorraine Bracco, and Sur- Susan Sarandon. Jesus Christ, a murderer's what, row. Was that, yeah.
4: Wait a minute. Were there nine Catwomen? What's I, that? I, I didn't count that quite right, probably, but were there nine Catwomen? Did Catwoman literally have nine lives?
2: <laughs>
0: I didn't count that. I don't know. Do we need a Catwoman
2: movie that's basically the new Spider-Man, where it's just like all the Catwoman, you know what I mean? I believe her is gone now, right? Didn't she pass away? Well, well, Disney will take
0: care of that, don't you? Oh. Don't you worry that's, that's, about I would love that? If Eartha <laughs> is
4: still alive,
0: well, that's what i was telling Jason. Is like it. It reminded me of not. The, I always sidetrack to Stephen King, but um, for Misery, they had like 30 people before they got to James Con,
1: which is nuts. That's James Con, James Khan Con is among the best of his generation. I cannot believe yeah. you would wait that long to get to James Con. <laughs> For real. Also, what happened to all these Cat Women?
0: They they all passed away.
1: Annette Bening, yeah, she was yeah, in twenty they, six. they're, they're all dead away, now. And she's gone. Yeah, the that cursed Cat
0: woman. Black that Cat, passed cat. Away. bad luck.
1: <laughs> I I've said another, this already.
0: Fun, another fun fact was that the Penguins were. I think this is kind of well known, but they were treated like royalty. They got their own trailer. Yes, to like thirty-five degrees. Like they we were, Love to hear it. Yeah, they were. Does this improve like, the just the the clearly
2: just the guys who are clearly just wearing penguin suits at the end of the movie
0: while the penguin is dying?
4: One Does thing that just, include them? Do you think they
0: were allowed? I doubt it. I I highly doubt it.
4: Uh. I really, really love that scene. By the way, the the like penguin burial at sea. I found myself yeah. like getting kind of emotional, and I was like, "How is this happening to me?" Like we're watching <laughs> we're watching penguins slide a dead Danny DeVito into toxic wastewater, Gosh. and I was like, "Man, he was one of theirs until the very end." I was yeah. like a little bit misty, and it was like, Damn. "Penguin ball
0: bearers, And we should sign him sign them up. Um, the last bit of trivia I have is. Um, The sequel to this movie was supposed to be um, Batman Unchained. And that's when it (laughs) turned into Batman Forever. And it was supposed to be Catwoman. um, It was supposed to feature heavily Catwoman. And then by whatever sequence of events, it turned into the Halle Berry Catwoman standalone movie that we all know.
1: You got to like this movie changed Hollywood forever because everybody became scared of movies like this. I mean, like I got I got to say Unchained is the implication that in this movie, this movie is like changed somehow (laughs) because it feels fully like off the rails, just as hell. I love that, though. I
4: honestly can't believe this movie exists in this form it is, and that it, it, it was released as a major blockbuster to rave reviews by a public that was excited for it it's like mm-hmm. what, what universe was that true in 1992
1: it is bizarre i love that they do did guys, that though do
2: you guys see catwoman no that film, is very good that film is but the, the the bad person in that film is sharon stone whose character uh makes like a um Makes like I believe, like a makeup that, that like a makes skin her cream, skin man. really hard. Yeah, like a skin cream that makes her skin really hard, so she can like take punches and whatnot, and it won't like impact her. And the final battle is just Catwoman fighting this lady, like wearing makeup. Uh, hmm. That's like the bad. That's like the bad guy of that movie. That, that's a real piece of shit. Uh, that, even as a <laughs> even as a kid, like ten years old at the time, I was like, this is an awful, awful film.
0: Truly bad. So Batman Returns was the transition between, you know, the Tim Tim Burton gothic, like fantasy world into Joel Schumacher. He was Tim Burton was supposed to direct the third one, and he didn't like the script, and so they gave it to Joel Schumacher, and the rest is history.
1: And the rest is history. And then in twenty twenty one we have the Spider Man multiverse coming together. And yeah. yeah, that's the world the world was never the same. You gotta wonder about the uh, the existence of a world where we get more movies like this one, we'd probably be spoiled on them. Um, Okay. Well that uh, God, we really went places with that discussion. Uh, Do we have anything else before we finish with, uh, with the, I I don't like to evoke the name before we actually lead into the segment, but uh, any final thoughts, final, final thoughts.
0: This is my favorite superhero movie. I'll plant the flag right there.
1: It's a, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good take i would that say is a, a wonderful i could not argue with that i i still have a soft spot because i grew up with the Raimi spider-man films but this is this is up there with him man this is in the same cloud um let's see okay uh harry do we want to try and rope logan into singing the cody's notice theme with us or do you uh, think we should just as well can we get, can can as we well? get a yeah. four person I know, I know, cody's in. do you know the theme logan we, we we sing it like the sister sister theme the the kids show uh, Cody's Noties, you will feel it out. Yeah, Excellent. you, you ad lib. You're you're classically an ad libber. Yeah. Um, classically
0: so,
1: <laughs> so Harry's <laughs> going to lead us in, and we're going to sing the Cody's Noties theme. Yes. Let's go
4: the Cody's Noties theme, which goes like this:
1: <gasps> Cody's, Cody's Noties wow. Oh my Look god! At that. Ah! We had a whole chorus.
0: Wow. Cody's uh, Noties <laughs>
3: <laughs> I am I am floored by such found a, 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 a whole octave. <laughs> we'll cover. We'll cover the spread. Um. Oh, hold on. There's a cat eating. God, little piece of shit. Wow. Uh. My wife's a bitch, uh, and so is she. Cat interrupting. I'll tell you what. This is a really um catwoman inspired anecdote. But this morning, I I come out of the shower. The cats that I'm babysitting knocked over all my plants. Those little fuckers. And wow. she almost did it again. And. Uh, We're going to, you know, on with the show. Thank you, gentlemen, for that, uh, I I probably said heroic introduction, get it, because we're talking about a a superhero movie. Um, And today we're also going to attempt a a rousing game of something I like to call Riddle Me This, get it? Um, I know the Riddler wasn't in this film we discussed today, but we're just going to run with it regardless, because it's right there for the taking. Um, So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask y'all a series of questions pertaining to actors who have portrayed Batman. And spoilers, these are all going to be based off of live action portrayals, um, uh, or p- portrayals. There we go. Uh, which isn't to say that I don't have love for um, the voice actors, uh, Kevin C- uh, Conroy, I believe, at all. Um, but it's just easier to create trivia around. Uh, The the folks who have played him in real life um, for reasons that will maybe become apparent. Uh, So after each statement, um, I will ask y'all an alphabetical by first name order to respond. Um, You're going to get a point for every correct answer or closest to the correct answer. And the person with the most points at the end will win. Um, And as always, trivia mafia rules apply here. So use your noodles, not your Googles. Um, So with that, I say we uh, we jump in and uh, we're going to start... I'm so sorry. These little fucking cats.
0: <laughs>
3: Folks, just, the pet-free lifestyle is not a yeah.
1: bad one. Yeah. Yes, it is. You are. You're hapless. I am. I am a maybe
2: a
3: sociopathic monster, but I don't have this. You know. Not to not to add on to this, but they have an automatic feeder that goes off at like seven fifty six. So at some point, I'm just gonna like <laughs> I don't I actually don't know if it'll make noise in the background. Um, this is a really manic episode to, to end the calendar year on. Yeah, so, we're having um, some fun. We're fine. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're, we got our, our beers out. I'm almost done with this um, huge uh, sour goes that I'm drinking. Um, uh, and we haven't even started the game yet. So we should do that now. We're gonna start with Michael Keaton for this first question. Um, shout outs to Michael Keaton. Come on the pod, and we're also going to invoke the Rashomon rule. Uh, shout out to the Rashomon rule. Come on the pod. Uh, for those unaware, the uh, the Rashomon rule is that. Um, oh boy, it's been a it's been a little while. Uh, no film needs to be longer uh, than Rashomon. That's sort of what this rule postulates, right? Uh, Rashomon is a perfect film, released in 1950, directed by legendary director Akira Kurosawa. And Rashomon, it it comes in at 88 minutes. And so mm. the question that I have for you gentlemen here is how many films released in the 21st century that abide by the Rashomon rule has Michael Keaton been in? So how many 21st century films has Michael Keaton been in that have been, you know, uh, 88 minutes or shorter basically is what I'm asking. So just a number of films, 21st century, Michael Keaton, he played Batman. Uh, I'll start with Aaron. Aaron, what do you think? What's your guess? How many do you think he's been? In? Uh, I've, I, I can name maybe
2: two move, uh, well, let's see, the founder was really long. Uh, Birdman was you do, really you just,
3: zero. You just gotta, you zero just a number. Yeah, zero. Right. All right, Aaron says zero. And since we do have a a, a a beefy crew with us today, which is to say we have a, a lot of panelists, a lot of contestants on the noties, feel free to double up on answers. Um, there will be multiple choice questions later. And so doubling up will be a thing that happens regardless. But, you know, um, just especially those of you at the end of the line here, um, feel free to, you know, no sense in being proud if you think it's the right answer. Um, but I will pivot to I believe Harry is next. I'm um, going by the, the aforementioned alphabetical order. Harry, what's your guess?
4: um i think i'm gonna oh man i'll just
3: go with two two huh okay perfect uh two for harry uh jason what's your guess
1: i'm gonna say five just uh, fuck it i don't i'm not gonna win this jason says
3: five in parentheses fuck it okay uh logan what is your guess
0: i'll say three
1: Logan is going to uh, watch it be like 30 movies. <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: cranking them out. Like Michael Madsen style. I feel like he has like nine or 10 Me movies too. a year that just like nobody's ever heard of. That's a really um, good point. What is, what's up with that? A great, great question. Um, goes beyond the scope of the noties, uh, unfortunately I'm only as smart as the, the scope of today's or the, you know, the week's game. Uh, uh, unrelated, Seth, who is very smart and has a guess, I'm sure, for this question. What is it?
5: What is uh, your guess? I'm also going to guess two. Seth is
3: also going to guess two. So, all right. Got our guesses locked in, etched in concrete. The correct answer is one film in the 21st century uh. abides by the Rashomon rule. Rashomon rule that Keaton has been in so due to the nature of ties um I believe Aaron with zero um the is going off I'm just gonna keep talking because fuck it um Aaron with zero Harry and Seth with two they all tie for the point that film by the way is called game six it is a 2005 release Robert Downey Jr. and Griffin Dunn co-star in it. And a quick summary, combining real and fictional events, this movie centers around the historic 1986 World Series and a day in the life of a playwright who skips opening night to watch the momentous game. It has mediocre (laughs) reviews on (laughs) Letterboxd and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, So we've got three folks on the board here. Uh, We've got Uh, more questions to go. So don't fear, don't fret. Um, Next up, we've got Christian Bale uh, as the the focus for for question two. Um, And I don't know if y'all are aware, but on IMDb, the internet movie database, uh, in those profiles, they've got a section dedicated to trademarks of of many artists, um, Christian Bale included. What I'm going to do here is list three Christian Bale trademarks included in his IMDb profile. Two of the trademarks I list are going to be for real. They are certified. Um, they are they are IMDb official. And one of them will be fake um, that I threw in to, to kind of throw you off the scent. And your job will be to pick out the fake trademark. So we want to actually pick out the fake trademark. In this case, you're going to sniff out the imposter. I'm going to read the three trademarks here. First one is as follows. Intense physical and mental commitment to his roles. That's the first one. The second trademark completely immerses himself into the mannerisms of the characters he plays. That was the second one. And the third one remains in character almost constantly during the filming process. So three very uh, unique trademarks. And I need y'all to pick out the fake trademark. Aaron, what do you think the fake one is? Three. Aaron picked the third one. Uh, Harry, what's your picky? Three. Harry picked the third one and Jason one. Jason says first one, Logan. I'll pick two. Logan (laughs) picks number two, my Lord. And Seth, what about you? I'm also going to pick two. Why am I alone? I I got, to tell you folks, the, uh, the guests are all right. Uh, The fake trademark is in fact, the second one, Um, the immersion and the mannerisms and all that. Um, I should note some of the entries that don't talk about uh, Christian Bale's method acting uh, mention his uh, frequent playing of obsessed, uh, obsessive detached loners. Um, so he's played me in a movie uh, as well as the fact that uh, oh, Bale has a mole on his right eye. I guess that's a, a trademark
1: um, on his, wait on like his eyelid. I guess I have I mean, to see just, his face. Yeah, yeah.
3: It, yes. I think it was, I think it was Yeah, phrase, phrased as his outer right eye, which is a little misleading. Hmm. Um, because of all right. grammar. But yeah, um so some points were obtained. Uh we've got um Jason uh sitting with a, a little penguin egg. Um yeah, penguin's lay eggs. That that's fitting. Uh Aaron, Harry and Logan all have 1 point. Seth in a commanding lead with 2 points if my math is correct. And we're moving along to the third question, uh, which is about Robert Pattinson, um who is playing Batman in an upcoming release. Uh, Uh, an upcoming feature film, live action feature film. And we're going to take a peek at some uh, some of uh, Robert Pattinson's most favorite films. Uh, So in in July of this year, so last summer, uh, Pattinson submitted a list of his top movies to far out magazine for a piece that they were doing about him, Um, you know, a little, A little interview, little whatever else. I didn't read the full thing, to be perfectly honest. But what I'm going to do is list three films. Uh, Two of the films were included on Pattinson's favoritist films in the world list. And one of them was one that I threw in, uh, again, just to fuck with y'all. So your job is to pick out the film that does not belong in the group. I'm going to read each of the three off. The three films are as follows. We've got One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975, The Exorcist from 1973, and The Silence of the Lambs from 1991. So which one of those films is not among Pattinson's favorite all-time films? This is crucial to understanding his psyche going into his Batman and Bruce Wayne performance, so I really hope we can all get this right. Um, starting with Aaron, what do you think?
2: Uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right. Uh, Aaron says is, is Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Harry, what do you say? I'm really, i really excited to
4: hear the answer to this because I really don't know, Um, but I think it's Silence of the Lambs.
3: Harry says Silence of the Lambs. Jason? I'm also going to go Silence of the Lambs. Jason is going to go Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Logan, what do you think? I think Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo's Nest for Logan and Seth. I'm going to pick The Exorcist. Seth is going to pick The Exorcist. The correct answer. Is Silence of the Lambs, and that is finally Patty's ah, faves. Um, and this is uh, mostly unrelated, but just to, to add a little more um color to Pattinson as a person, he you know talks about in this article his fondness for Jean Luc Godard. Uh, he gives 15 of his favorite films, and three of them are directed by Godard. Um, they were what, breathless le Fou and first name Carmen. I can only speak to Piero Um, but I think that's my favorite Godard film. So uh, Patty's got taste potentially. Um, everybody's on the board now, which is great. Uh, Harry and Seth are tied for the lead. Everybody else has one. We've got uh, a couple more questions and um, many more opportunities for points. I'll say very cryptically, uh, but going into number four, we're going to focus on Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck uh, for, of Argo fame. Uh, so similar to what we've done, in previous games, I'm going to read off three quotes allegedly uttered by Ben Affleck. Two of these utter- uh, utterances rather, will be for real, again, allegedly, and one will be fake. Your task is to pick out the fake one. So I'll read off the three quotes, one at a time, and leave it to each of you to pick out the imposter afterward. So the first quote, directing is really exciting. In the end, it's more fun to be the painter than the paint. So that was the first one. Second quote, I'm always described as cocksure or with a swagger. And that bears no resemblance to who I feel like inside. I feel plagued by insecurity. And finally, the third <laughs> quote, uh, I just feel like sometimes I'm a force to be dealt with. It's not easy being me. So those are the three quotes. Which one of those is the imposter Aaron? Uh, number two. Number two for Aaron. Uh, Harry, what's your guess? I can't choose number two. I'm choosing number three. Harry's choosing number three. Jason? number one Jason says number one and Logan
0: I'll say number two number two
3: and Seth I will also say number one Seth will also say number one uh the imposter is the first one uh that quote yes was actually allegedly uttered by another former Batman George Clooney another uh, another actor director uh, George Clooney um Well, brilliant. You know what? We've got uh, uh, Seth in the lead with three. We've got Harry and Jason with two points. We've got Aaron and Logan with one point. Uh, This is still very much anybody's game because for our final question, what I'd like for us to do is just for a moment, consider the four men who these questions have been about. So uh, in in summation, we have Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson, and Ben Affleck. And what I'm going to ask each of y'all to do is rank these men in order of who you think is the tallest to shortest. So tallest to shortest Batman of these four. Um, you'll get a point for each correctly slotted uh, man. And again, there are four men here in the mix. So if you get the order perfectly correct, you'll get four points for this question. Uh, real real game changer. Um, just as another example, if two of the men uh, that you list are slotted into the right places, you'll get two points and so on and so forth. Um, So I'll I'll vamp just a little bit longer to to give everybody time to think about it. Again, ranking these Batman from tallest to shortest in your best approximation, and again, those Batman are Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson, Ben Affleck. Um, I will uh, 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 stammer a little bit right here, and then I will turn to Aaron, and I will ask, have you had enough time uh, to, to think about this and pen them down? Or do I need to vamp a little bit more?
2: Could you repeat the four, just so I make
3: sure that I know? Oh, oh, absolutely. Those four are Batman. We have Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson, and Ben Affleck. So we're ranking them again from tallest. Yeah, I'm, I'm to good. Shortest. I'm good. I don't. Okay. I, I have no fucking clue, but I'm. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Okay, great. well, um, you know as we as we say for these, um, if you all want to let uh, us and our listeners into your your mind as you thought about um, this uh, this very serious um, and important question, feel free to do that. otherwise if you just want to drop the, them in the order that you think, that's great too. However you want to go about it for the sake of hashtag content is good with. I'm you.
2: just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it because none of us had good. any it was pretty much just like how tall do I guess they are no information uh i'm gonna say tallest wait tallest to shortest tallest to shortest all right uh tallest affleck and then
3: pattinson and then keaton and then bale so to, to make sure i heard that correctly uh uh affleck pattinson keaton bale yeah bale strikes me with a lot of short king energy i think Gotcha. Okay, I will not um, editorialize at all. I, at most, I will just ask or like I'll repeat and make sure I have them correct. But Aaron's got his locked in, and I will now look to Harry for his uh, his his breakdown.
4: Okay, I'm going to go Affleck, Keaton, Bale, R. Pats. So Affleck first, then Michael Keaton, then Christian Bale, then Robert Pattinson.
1: I'm, gotcha. I'm sorry, Harry, are you, are you calling him Ben Affleck? Affleck, motherfuckers! All right, we can we can move forward. Um,
3: shout out to the Affleck. To come on the pod. Um, Jason, I believe you're next. So if you
1: if you wanted to to run down those, I will happily make note of them. I, I would. I'm pretty confident about the first and last, but the middle mm, could be the toss up. I'm gonna go tallest: Robert Pattinson, then Ben Affleck, then Michael Keaton, then Christian Bale, Roger Dodger. Okay,
3: so Pattinson, Affleck uh Keaton, and then Bale. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Okay, cool. Um, moving down the line to Logan. Logan, what do you think?
0: Um, I think it's. <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, it's not Bale. easy. <laughs> cool. um, Bale, Pattinson, then whatever the fuck. <laughs>
1: Affleck or Keaton?
0: Um, Affleck, then Keaton. Keaton, short. All right. So uh, to reiterate, we've got Bale,
3: Pattinson, Affleck, and Keaton. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And I don't want to bail too quickly, but I think my wife is going to into labor. So um, I'm going to oh. bail right uh, now. Oh, my oh God. Yeah. Hey. Wow. Congrats we caught that. We'll let you. you know if you won. Oh, the most important thing um, you'll hear.
2: Hope he doesn't have flippers. Bye.
1: <laughs> wow! Godspeed, bro. Thanks for being here. Good luck. Good luck. Godspeed, Logan. Thank you. Hey, best of luck to y'all. Holy well, shit! He'll, ne- he'll never know. Yeah.
2: Wow! That's I the wildest member of the we'll competition for Aaron. That's right. come <laughs> back, baby. Let's fucking go! No, congratulations, him.
3: Wow! Um, I really I hope the caught his track. Right? I hope so too. Um do we know that we
1: did? I don't know that we did, but we will ha- just have to keep going. All
3: right. Um and uh I'm <laughs> mentally recalibrating. Uh Seth, I believe we just need to yeah. fix now.
5: Yeah. Uh man, this blow <laughs> that up. Yeah <laughs> uh pfft, um anyway, my, my order, tallest to shortest. Uh Ben Affleck Affleck, uh Christian Bale Robert Pattinson, Michael Keaton.
3: All right. And we've, uh, for you again, uh, just repeating for my own purposes, Affleck, Affleck, Bale, Pattinson, Keaton. Correct. All right. Um, I will just, uh, I'll, I'll start by saying thank you so much for, for playing. Um, this has been uh, another riv, another riveting edition of Riddle Me This. I've tabulated the responses. I'm, pretty certain uh, my arithmetic is correct. So what I'm going to do now is read off the correct order of these Batman from tallest to shortest. I'm going to lead with the heights and then say their um, their names. I, I I will also say alleged heights. I've sourced these on the internet, um, uh, checked my work at least once for each person. Um, so if any any of the Batmen are listening, um, it's not my fault. I'm just using my resources. So uh, at, at the tallest Batman, Batman of these four at six foot, three and a half inches, we have Ben Affleck God Affleck himself uh, Coming in second At 6 foot 1 we have Robert Pattinson Robert Pattinson uh, Coming up behind them at 6 foot 0 So not visible Behind uh, Pattinson Who's 6 foot 1 but Christian Bale uh, (coughs) And at 5 foot 9 bringing up the rear Michael Little Guy Keaton um, a little Batman. So assuming I did my math correctly, I'm just going to go in ascending order. Um, Jason ended the game with two <clears> points. Uh, Aaron and Logan ended with three. Um, Logan it undoubtedly gets bonus points for uh, what is happening to yeah. him and, and his, and his better half right now. Um, Harry came away with four points. Seth came away with five. Seth is the winner. Seth, feel free to, to pop off. Um, uh, it, it, the floor is yours.
5: Uh yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not really gonna pop off all I I have trolled uh, CelebHeights.com, so I knew that Michael Keaton was the shortest. Uh I really hope that uh if Logan's wife is actually going to labor that she has a very uh successful and uncomplicated delivery. Uh shout out to Batman. Uh shout out to Kinks. Um Shout, shout out, to out to Danny Matt DeVito's Benny. long underwear. Yeah. It, they're really poopy on the back yeah, aren't they? They're,
1: they're, he's they're well seasoned.
2: He's kind of cheeked up. That final scene, he's lying on the ground, you know, dead. He's, you know,
1: I mean, he's the opposite of cheeked up. His shoulders have more girth well, than his ass. We know, about. see, I've never, I've never, I've
4: never been on CelebHeight.com.
2: dot com. When are we going
4: to get foot size questions, Cody? Foot size. I want foot size questions.
1: Can on we kick carry family. off this podcast, please? Can we uh, only only <laughs> we if we boot Way him. starts going into labor. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this very special edition of Try Love. This has been a literal roundtable podcast that got a little bit smaller near the end, but was uh, pretty sizable there to start. Uh, but hey, on, I
4: think we, we own part of that baby now, right? Isn't that a uh, Yes, that works? we own By podcast we own, Law. We,
1: we each own like a what? what is that, like eight, uh, 18% share We're or something? We're one fifth like
4: godfathers
1: of that baby because of this. That's just pot yes. Law. That is uh, that is pod podlaw in these parts. Um, but this has been an episode of Batman, Re- Batman Returns, a movie we did not see at the trial on, but that is seasonally appropriate. We really hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it. Um, Logan sort of gave his sign off, but I'll let uh, I will thank once more guest Seth for being on our podcast, and uh, and I'll let you uh, perform your exunt as we head out, Seth.
5: Uh like uh i i don't have a good way to intro this quote but another one of the quotes that i wanted to say was that sickos uh don't scare me because at least they're committed and i am committed to kicking ass at cody's Notes trivia notes you can find me uh at sn Zarati. thank you again for having me on the show
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of regret it now that you made a big boastful mess of yourself, but I mean, I'll I'll get over that. Uh, My name is Jason Daphnis. I help make this podcast. Go to the Trilon when you can, when it's safe, when you're comfortable. Uh, If you can't, go to Trilon.org to find other ways to support them in the meantime. My name is Jason Daphnis. My name is Jason Daphnis. My name is Jason Daphnis, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Find our podcast at Love Podcast. That's right. Uh, I've been Cody Narvison.
3: You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore VH.
4: Listen... We all win when Aaron doesn't win. I've been saying it. I'm happy to cede the victory to the better man, Seth Zarate. But most importantly of all, Aaron didn't win. So if there's one takeaway here, we can just say the king is dead. The king is dead. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shataki Harry. Thank you.
2: You know, you're on top when you get that kind of a response. You know, like it's just undeniable. Like, you know, you're on top when you everybody's gunning for you. You know, as a lot of my favorite songs have said similar things. Uh, But
1: it is Podlog. You know,
2: look. uh, You know, I don't want to say that I took the L in order to help out the guests here. I'm not going to say that kind of thing and simulate that. I would never do that. But you know, uh, uh, congrats to Seth. I'm happy that Harry didn't win. Happy that Jason didn't win. That's the only thing that matters. Um, My name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at rbplease.
3: Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. Happy holidays, you little freaks.